Hello, everyone. Hi there. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Max, your goblin detective. And it's time for another episode of Short Rest. And once again, we are joined by my DM and yours. DM to the stars. Are we stars? Probably not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Hi, Fletch. Hi, Jason. How's it, how's it going? It's going really well. Excellent. Well, I wanted to continue the conversation that we were having last short rest. So that was two weeks ago. We were talking about your history with D&D and how you have spent most of your time running the game as a DM rather than playing as a player character. So um, I wanted to continue and talk about uh, the DM's role in role-playing games. Yeah, I think that's great. Let's do it. I know what drew you to being a DM kind of from last short rest, but let's talk about it again for those who may not have listened. How did you get involved with DMing? Uh, Yeah, so uh, we, some friends of mine and I, uh, decided we wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons and uh, no one else wanted to DM and I was willing to do it and so I did and that's how I got into DMing. My story is remarkably similar to yours. Fourth edition had just come out. I was, am still a giant fan of Penny Arcade and they launched their first set of podcasts with Chris Perkins and Mike Merles doing Acquisitions Incorporated. And I listened to them and it just, it reignited my love for Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh my God, this new system sounds amazing. I'm going to go buy all the books. And so I did. I bought all the books and I wanted people to play. So I had to volunteer to DM and um, we uh, invited a bunch of people and we couldn't get things working and, and all that stuff. And then my friend, Steve, he stepped up and was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to DM, bring people over. We'll play. And so uh, Steve and I, got a bunch of people together. He worked at wizards at the time. So he brought a ton of minis and a ton of extra books and a bunch, you know, all that stuff. And we played and it lasted for a couple of weeks. And then that was it. <laughs> and I kind of enjoyed D and D from the periphery, like listening to podcasts, watching the shows at PAX. Yeah. Uh, but then when fifth edition came out, I would like, once again, the fire was lit underneath me, listening to podcasts, seeing how the system worked. I really enjoyed it. So I went out and I bought all the books because I'm a sucker for, I'm a sucker for that stuff, right? Like as soon as the books come out, I'm just like, Oh, I need it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like even the new books that come out, every time a new book comes out, I go down and I buy it in no matter whether I'm going to use it or not. And, um, I got a group together and decided that I was going to take the DM role by the horns and I was going to do something quote unquote hard. And uh, so I DM'd an all bards game Ooh. as my very first DMing challenge. Ooh. And it was fun. Like uh, we had a, we had a really great time. My group was super fun. Yeah. And uh, that just kind of led to another group and then another group. And now I'm DMing Waterdeep Dragon Heist for mutual friends. You know, I think a lot of people these days have a similar, if not identical story 
to yours that, that they, you know, they started hearing these podcasts and of course acquisitions incorporated is huge, but also like critical role and dice camera action for sure. Yeah. They started hearing these and they realized what fun it could be. And in addition to the folks like you that got back into D and D and maybe some um, new folks that, you know, hadn't really seen it, but saw how much fun it was. I've all, I also, I, I've talked to a lot of people and I've DM'd games for people who saw D and D happening over the past 10, 20 years and were just never quite brave enough to step into a game because there was always this like nerdy, you know, stigma associated to it. Yeah. But uh, now that Dungeons and Dragons is mainstream and nerds have taken over the world, that's not there anymore. And people feel a lot more comfortable just saying, you know, I'd really love to play. I think of, of the games that I've had going over the past few years, um, 75% of them, the majority of the people in the group had never played before. They were all brand new to it and they all had some interest in it and just had never worked up the, the uh, initiative to jump into a game. Right. See, for me, it's been, uh, an equal mix of people who have played in the past but wanted to try the new system out and then a bunch of people that had never played ever. And uh, I really enjoy DMing for people who have never played before. I find that remarkably fun. I got to uh, a friend of mine. Let's see, how did this go? A friend of a friend of a friend reached out to my friend Michelle and said, hey, you know nerdy people. Do you know anyone who would be interested in teaching my kids how to play D&D for their birthday? Oh, that's that's cool. So she reached out to me knowing that I do, you know, D&D nerdy stuff. So I went over to this house on a random weekend and played D&D with a bunch of 12-year-olds for a couple of hours. And... Um, like my gift, my birthday gift was I brought the starter set, the fifth edition with Lost Minds of Fandelver, which is a fantastic starting adventure. Yes. Yeah. But I also had an adventure from MT Black on DM's Guild called The King of the Cats, which is this super cute. Your adventuring party is contacted by a talking cat and you are introduced to the Congress of Cats and you have to go find the King of the Cats before uh, you know, disaster strikes. And it's super fun because it's got a really great mix of combat. It's got some fun puzzles and a, but a lot of really, really good role-playing opportunities. And so when I got there, I kind of punted instead of going with the starter kit because it was a bunch of kids that didn't know if they were going to play again. I just, I ran the King of the Cats and we had a really good time. And then I gave the starter kit to the kid whose birthday it was and uh, let them go and do their own thing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I think one of the, one of the biggest questions that I know that I have had about your DMing style is um, especially looking at it from the lens of someone who has prepared D and D sessions for players. What is your, uh, what's your prep look like? How do you get ready before going into a session? 
So this is going to be this is going to be one of those things where I talk for probably way too long, and I apologize to people. That's fine. We'll have you know Jason do a quick voiceover with the timestamp that you can jump to if you're not interested in hearing any of this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way. No, this is this is why we record short rests. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my my prep takes place in a couple different levels. Uh, and obviously one of those levels is not creating rich backstory for every <laughs> single NPC that I throw into a game. Uh, just enough for Talia to pick out the ones that I haven't developed. But I start with a narrative. Uh, I start with where the story is going, where I want it to go. And then I start figuring out what story elements I need to put in there to get the heroes there. I uh, work in opportunities for combat based on that. So to, to draw the comparison to Deep Trouble and, and where the Waterdeep Detective Agency is now, with this campaign, I started with uh, who was murdered, um, who did it, and some possible scenarios that would give clues to the, uh, the investigators to determine who that was. Uh, and over the course of that experience, I, I did a ton of research on Waterdeep. I did a ton of research on under mountain and Skullport, so that if the adventurers uh, got there, um, it would all feel really cohesive. It wouldn't feel like a hard separation where, you know, all of a sudden we've got to figure this stuff out. And I'm like, you, you know, just randomly pulling things out of my butt to keep the, the story moving along. I try to think really critically about that, about where people might be interested in going. And I, I sort of I try to build these like little modular pieces that I can fit in and move around if I have to. So that, um, for instance, uh, if if the adventurers decide that they're going to go to a place that I mentioned really offhandedly, uh, that I, I hadn't anticipated originally that they would head to, then I have sort of a, a small collection of encounters and um, NPCs that they could meet at any location. And I'll, I'll fit those characters in to where the adventurers decide to go. Um, and a really good example, I don't know if I want to expose too much, but a really good example of this is the boatyard. I hadn't anticipated the, uh, the Waterdeep Detective Agency um, investing so heavily in the boatyard and heading back there after talking with the business guy. Stone Mast. Stone Mast. Um, I hadn't anticipated that. And so fortunately I had a scenario ready to go where, you know, these um, drow try to ambush uh, the, the adventurers and you find out that that's sort of, they're an element in this whole thing too. Um, and that was ready to go, you know, chambered, locked and loaded so that it wasn't, there wasn't like this hard stop where I figured out, okay, well, what could that look like? And everything else was kind of improved around it. The, you know, um, the different boats, the, the guards with the dogs. Uh, and fortunately, you know, we've got some, uh, great players in the party who, you know, thought really critically about how to go in, in a newer game, that would have been a very run and gun style thing. Like a group of adventurers that charge in, take out the guards, you know, explore the ship real quick and then try to get away before the, the, the city, you know, the cops show up. Um, but knowing the play styles of the group, uh, it was, you know, pretty obvious ahead of time that that 
you know, Brad playing the Druid and, and uh, just knowing who Kat and Talia are, like they're not going to want to kill the dogs. So throw some dogs in with the guards and uh, make it a lot more convenient to sort of like skulk around the corners and, and sneak your way in so that we can create a little ambiance and a little, um, you know, intensity for the audience. Uh, and at the same time, move the story along in this really kind of interesting way so that even though our group is sort of locked in this city, you know, the, the mystery doesn't take them outside of Waterdeep. The, um, they're, they're not going to have the chance to explore the wildlands or, you know, anything else. Uh, we still are able to keep everything really fresh no matter where the group wants to go. They can, as long as they're in Waterdeep, they can do whatever they want. And I'll have something ready to go for them, uh, regardless of what decision they make. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I, I really liked our path so far. Like I said, last short rest. I know that we we benefit from being ahead in the recording schedule from what is out in the world right now. So I know where we are <laughs> compared to where the show is. Yes. And uh, I, I'm liking where we've gone so far. Yeah, I am too. Uh, everything has stayed, um, for the most part, where I thought it would go, just in a slightly different order. I really like building modular campaigns so that it's nothing on rails. I re- I'm really irritated with when I play Dungeons and Dragons when it's a game on rails. And sort of your your decision on where to go next is really strongly enforced. Um, and I've played with, you know, seasoned DMs who are really obviously like, well, okay, well, I want to go into this room. And they're like, oh, the door is locked. You can't go into that room. Well, I try to pick the lock. It's an enchanted lock. You can't pick it. Oh, really? In this inn, in the middle of nowhere, there's an enchanted (laughs) lock on the door that I can't pick, huh? Yeah, yeah, you can't pick that. You have to go now. I hate that. That makes me want to be behind that door even more. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What are you hiding? (laughs) Oh, right. You're not hiding anything. There's nothing behind that door. There's there's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing back there. No. When I was, I, I'm going to tell an anecdote because that's what people listen to these for. Yeah. When I was in college, I played a game with a guy who was um, a, I mean, an excessive planner. Like he, he would, he, he wanted to be a writer. He would write pages and pages and stacks of papers and he would draw maps and he would figure everything out. And um, we sat down for a game once, uh, the the start of a game, and he had this, you know, ream of papers sitting next to him of everything that he had come up with for this world. He had created his own world and he had populated it with all this culture and magic and, you know, history and lore. And we were we were set to explore this world and figure everything out. He said, "Okay, you start out in this port town um, on the ocean and you know, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you guys. And then you guys go and you figure out whatever you want. And one of the guys in the group was like, we're in a port town on the ocean. And he says, yeah. And he goes, I want to buy passage on a ship to head across the ocean and see what's out there. (laughs) And the guy's shoulders just slumped and he pushed, but to his credit, this is what really impressed me to his credit. He just pushed all that stuff away and he said, okay. And he, he just went with it and, that was that. It, it was a great game. That was a really fun game that we played for a few months. And you ended up in Eberron. <laughs> to know that he had the stack of work that he just really casually pushed pushed aside was um, kind of amusing. 
I think the, the beauty of what DMs can do is that, sure, you push that to the side, but all of that stuff can come up somewhere in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you build, you can you can move around. It's like there there's that illusion of the railroad that you know, there there are DMs that are just like, nope, you can go this way or this way or this way and you know, it's just the railroad or there's the yeah, you can you can go wherever you want, but the room that I need you to be in is going to be at the end of whatever hallway you turn down. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I guess the illusion of choice versus illusion of the railroad, right? And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, as long as everybody's having fun and as long as your players don't feel like their choices don't matter. Because I think that that's, that's the real key about the railroad, right? Is that your choices don't matter if you're on rails and you're just going somewhere. Yeah. And I think, you know, to bring this back to a topic we talked about previously, when you have new players and you're DMing a game for new players, it's okay to have them on a little bit of a railroad. They need to learn the rules. They need to learn, you know, how combat works, how role playing works, how their characters work and all their skills and abilities and all that kind of stuff. And then slowly as you're playing with them, you start adding new elements in and you start um, introducing them to sort of the open world concept of Dungeons and Dragons and the idea that you can do whatever you want. And one of my favorite moments DMing for for new players is, you know, I've, I've had them on this little bit of a railroad quest and um, they, they're getting it. They're getting hooked into the game. They're loving the story. They're loving their character. They love what they're doing. And then, you know, you kind of end on this, this, you know, like say they're, say it's, Lost Mind of Fandelver and they get into the, 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 you know, they finish the quest and then they say, you know, what do I do now? And you as the DM get to say, I don't know. What do you do now? What do you want to do? What do you want to <laughs> do now? Where do you want to go? And that look that they get as they realize that they can do whatever they want. Yep. They can, they can, you know, explore cities. They can explore dungeons. They can, become adventuring archaeologists and explore the history of whatever world that they're in. You know, that's what brought me to Dungeons and Dragons is the, in the first place is this idea that you can do anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it persists, you know, not just as a game, but in popular culture. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is this, you know, great part story, part improvisation, part acting, game that you know you can enjoy for as long as you're able to keep a group together yeah absolutely one of the things that i like about dming is that you get to help your friends create this story together and i, I don't know there's something very satisfying about that yeah a story that you're a part of yeah yeah so Speaking of planning out sessions, do you have any tools that you use to help you plan? That is a great question. I really like that. So I am not the most organized person in the world. I am at my most organized when I am writing something or, you know, planning a Dungeons and Dragons game or something like that. Uh, I use a lot of note cards. I use... I would say an embarrassing amount. Talia would say a frustrating amount of note cards. 
Um, like I said, I like to keep things modular. And so I'll keep a, a group of like note cards together that have, you know, character information and stats and all that kind of stuff. So as we're playing and, you know, it's a little bit more difficult when you're podcasting because there's this audio equipment and you're making sure that your levels are good and that everything is, is working okay. And, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So keeping everything really well organized at the same time is kind of difficult. Um, so I like to try to keep, um, as much information on these note cards as possible so that, when the group says we want to go back to the, the shipyard and I've got to find a group of um, baddies to fight that also have a clue that will help you progress in the story, that I've got that on hand. I wish that I were a little bit more open to change and that I could get into D&D Beyond a little bit more. I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for over 20 years, and when we started playing, we had a couple battered second edition books and character sheets that we created out of, you know, college rule notebook paper. We didn't have uh, the library of books that are available now. I mean, the, the books were out there, but we as, as broke middle school and high school students did not have the money for those. Right. We didn't have the the access to those other books. We didn't have the minis. We didn't have any of this other stuff. Um, and so that was it. That's how we planned games. That's how we created worlds. That's how we um, managed our characters and everything. And so I've been doing that for, I've been doing that that way for 20 years. And when D&D Beyond comes out, and it's this great tool that lets you help manage campaigns and do all that kind of stuff. And it sounds like I'm shilling for them. Uh, and I'm not, I, I mean, I am, but I'm not doing it in any sort of official capacity. Right. I can't, I just can't get into it. I can't, it's, there's like this block where I, I start making notes in D and D beyond and, and grabbing monsters and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, it's not the same. This isn't, this isn't as tactily rewarding as writing this stuff down in a notebook and creating this kind of file folder of adventure. And that, but that's a really personal thing for me. Like if, if I were getting into the game brand new right now, it'd be great. You know, one of the things that I have discovered recently is a book by Sly Flourish. And again, not shilling, but kind of shilling. Um, Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy DM. And it's just, it's a book full of tips on how to make your life easier as a dungeon master. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, very similar to what you were talking about, like write note cards with relevant information on this, you know, this, 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 and this, so that you've got it. So if it comes up, you can just refer to it instantly. Um, like one of the things that I did this past Sunday for my Waterdeep Dragon Heist game was I sat down and I wrote the 10 secrets or clues that you can casually drop in the session. Right. So these are things that are going to come out in gameplay sometime uh, between now and the end of the story. Um, and so if you have them there ready to go in a simple sentence form, you can you can use them as soon as they are relevant or as soon as an opportunity comes up for you to be able to just use that information in a neat and interesting way for your players. And uh, I find that method 
very interesting and very, very fun. But um, like, I think one of the main differences between me as a DM and other people that I know, like you, is I've never run a game. I've never run a uh, like a D&D campaign that I created on my own. Everything I've ever run has been written by someone else that I've taken and either adapted or modified or strung together or whatever. Um, like right now I'm doing Waterdeep Dragon Heist and I really like it. And I have gone into DMs Guild and uh, this is a like one of the tools that I love is DMs Guild because you can get anything you need there ridiculously inexpensively. And for Waterdeep Dragon Heist, each there's a, a little guide that is written for each chapter of the game that kind of fleshes it out and gives you, you know, reasons why things might happen and different ways to look at the information to make it better for your players. And I find that stuff super interesting. And it's, it's stuff that I want to be able to create in the future as I'm looking at, you know, here's this brand new adventure that wizards of the coast ran and I, took it and I've been reading it and I've been prep uh, preparing it. And here are some ways that I have found to make it better. Uh, I, I really like that stuff. So, yeah, I, I love playing the modules. Um, the, the fact that, you know, all the heavy lifting is done for you. You, you read it, you get familiar with it. You, um, you know, you understand where it's going. It's tougher for people to throw you curveballs with the modules. I think for me, uh, and and maybe for Brad too. I'm going to go ahead and speak for him because uh, he DMs quite often as well. We grew up not having those. All the adventures that I ran were very very thinly based on the the sword and sorcery fantasy books that I grew up reading. You know, they're all like very close to um, Dragonlance and um, the Wheel of Time and that kind of stuff. They're all these you know, Joseph Campbellian hero journey, uh, uh, ripoffs, um, just with dungeons and dragons characters in them. So th- th- it was by necessity. Again, I think this is another thing where if I, if I had started playing now, if what was available now, the way it is available, uh, back when I started playing, it, I'd probably be a different player. I'd be a lot more familiar with the modules. Oh, for sure. Uh, and some of the modules too, if you're a new player and you're thinking about getting into it, the uh, the starter set is unbelievable for, for learning how to play um, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and it really does equip you well to get yourself a player's book and then start getting the the modules that are available. Uh, Chris Estrada is a little tricky. Yeah, but it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. It is really good. It's just it's it's awesome. Waterdeep uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, I think, is actually probably a pretty good uh, module to jump into the game with. Yeah, I would say the uh, the starter set for sure, yep. right? Because that's it's designed that way. Dragon Heist is fantastic for a starting set of players, but I feel like you need. Uh, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not giving inexperienced or new DMs enough credit. Uh, I, I feel like I would be nervous about running that as a first time DM, but that's possible. Yeah, I could see that, but it's, I love it, man. I, I can't say enough cool things about the way that Waterdeep dragon heist is written. 
the, and the way it's, you know, like it's broken up into chapters and the way that those chapters play against each other. It's, I don't know. I really like it. And yeah. I just hope that my players who I hope are <laughs> listening to this episode like it too. <laughs> Here's a question. What misconceptions about DMing have you encountered? I think the big one, there are, there are two that I'm going to talk about specifically. The big one is that the DM is rooting for the demise of the players. And I, it might be, that might be a misconception that kind of goes both ways that there's, there's this idea that it's the players versus the dungeon master. And I don't think that's the case. I think it is the case that this is a truly cooperative game and that everyone is working together to experience a story, a tale. So that's the first one. You know, uh, my my uh, nephew got me a shirt over Christmas um, that says, you know, tremble when the DM smiles. <laughs> yeah. And that's funny. That's funny because that that's the, the trope, right? That the DM is smiling because something terrible has happened to you. Yeah. When the DM smiles, it's already too late. But I think I, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. I smile the widest when a player comes up with something that I never saw coming. Uh, and Brad does a really good job of that in our game. He, he will come up with these ways to use his druid in the city that I never saw coming, like becoming the, the mangy dockyard mutt to, to pass by unnoticed. Um, that's the kind of stuff that that's the reason that I love playing this game. Uh, you know, adapting to those curveballs, figuring stuff out and then keeping the story going and making sure everyone enjoys it. I love it. Um, the other misconception and, and other DMS out there might fight me on this, but the, the DM as God, uh, idea that the DM is, you know, the God of the realm and all that kind of stuff. I don't like that as much either. Uh, I think that the DM is like the watcher from Marvel comic books. Uh, and he is, or she is the watcher without the, the pesky mandate that they can't interfere. Um, I, I tell you guys what happens and then you guys tell me how you respond to that. And then all I do is tell you how the NPCs respond to that. I'm not making anyone do anything. I'm sort of just trying to keep everything going as naturally as possible. Uh, and I, I don't think that the DM as a deity uh, meshes with that. I think the DM with the deity is this is more an idea that like, I'm going to do whatever I want to further my ends, but my ends are everyone has a good time. And to do that, I can't really do whatever I want. Uh, so that's the second one. I don't, I don't like the idea as DM as God. I think the, the biggest misconception that I've encountered personally is that prep is easy. <laughs> that's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it takes a, it takes a lot of work to prepare for a game session. And um, I don't think that people who have never DM'd understand that. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, I just think it's, it's not something that they think about until they actually sit down and they're like, all right, what are the directions that this story can go and how can I be prepared for them going through door number one versus door number three or whatever? Yeah. I, that's it for me. Like just, 
the amount of work that it takes making sure that everything is ready to go when we're when we sit down at the table. How do you feel about the uh, let's start in a tavern trope? I love it. I'm not going to lie. I love it. I think it is a classic. I definitely went through a period where I hated it. I went through a time where I thought the best way to start a campaign was just to have everyone be on their own, doing their own thing. And like, we'll get them all together naturally and organically. And then you spend two and a half hours just trying to get the game started, trying to corral a bunch of cats to get together into the same room so you can point them towards the shiny thing. Um, and I have no problem with just saying right up front, you guys are an adventuring party. And this adventure starts with you in a tavern enjoying some drinks. Yeah, I, I know I keep going back to it, but Waterdeep Dragon Heist starts in the Yawning Portal in Waterdeep. And it's it's great because there are, you know, like there are all the usual trappings of the D&D tavern there. And uh, it's super fun. And um, I never got into Critical Role during the first season uh, with Vox Machina, but I knew so many people that were that I decided this past January when they started up season two that I was going to start, like I was going to jump in from the beginning. And they started in a tavern and they were all, you know, relatively separate, right? They were in small groups and then they came together as one little group. And, uh, and it was great. Like it, it worked really well. And it was very funny to see the reaction of the audience being like, Oh my God, are they starting in a tavern? They're starting in a tavern. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's iconic. It's, it's, you know, it's just fantastic. And, uh, now speaking of, uh, we, we've already touched on it a little bit, but like the, the new reality of D and D mainstream celebrity that's out there. I know that the, the niche is still very small, but there are some, there's some real big stars in the D and D universe right now. We've got Joe Manganiello who plays and uh, Matthew Lillard who has his own D and D company. Uh, but you know, like it started with acquisitions incorporated in those podcasts, which turned into live show games, which is now turned into a streaming game and, there's critical role. There's dice camera action that we've talked about. Um, is there any of that that you watch or that you pay attention to currently? Uh, yeah. So I am a huge fan of Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, it is my favorite thing to do every year at PAX. And I have said on numerous occasions that I have never laughed harder at a live show than I have at Acquisitions Incorporated. That group of people is just incredible. And and anyone that they bring on just meshes really well. It's it's great. I, I love Ack Inc. I also really love to watch Matt Mercer DM. Matt being a voice actor um, and really kind of, he creates a fullness to his characters that is really, uh, really incredible. And there that's been a discussion in the greater D and D community for a while now, like your DM doesn't have to be Matt Mercer. Your DM doesn't have to create these really weird characters and have these fantastic voices and mannerisms and all that kind of stuff. Your DM can be your DM. You shouldn't expect that. But at the same time, I like, I like learning from other storytellers and other performers. uh, Now that we're not just players and DMS, we're performers too. 
Uh, I love learning from them ways to engage the audience more, ways to engage my players more. Um, and I think I've learned more from Matt than I have from anyone else with the possible exception of Chris Perkins. The first year, uh, the first live show of Acquisitions Incorporated that I saw, I, I guess I didn't see it live. I, I watched it on YouTube, but the first episode that I watched uh, was the episode where they had to defend the the Acquisitions Incorporated offices and he brought out the sort of sliding room puzzle game. Oh yeah. I remember that game. Yeah. I like paused the video and sat back and just kind of had this realization that like he added, he just added this new dimension to Dungeons and Dragons for me. You know, he made it this so much more engaging and dynamic thing. At that point I had been playing for close to 15 years, if not more than 15 years. And all of a sudden I'm realizing that late into the game that you can do this kind of stuff. Like, where was that? Where was that when I was in high school and college? So, uh, I try to consume as much of that stuff as possible. And I know, I uh, isn't, um, the, the gal from daredevil, Deborah Ann wall. She's starting a podcast too, or a, a, a D and D stream or something. She's doing something too. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, she is going to be on geek and sundry. Her show is called Relics and Rarities. Yeah, so excited for that. That's gonna be, that's gonna be great. Um, I'm, I, you know, it's just it's this thing that we're getting a lot more voices into the game, and that's always a good thing because you're gonna learn more, you know. And not to get too, I don't want to get political about it, but Dungeons and Dragons is based on sort of Anglo-Saxon mythology. For sure. But the more voices that we have in the game, the richer it gets and the the deeper it gets and the more interesting it gets. And I think the the more professional performers and storytellers that we have uh, showing us what's possible, adding layers to the game, adding dimensions to the game, um, the better it's going to be for all of us, because as DMs, we're going to learn how to better engage our players or the people listening to our podcasts. And as players, we're going to learn how to better explore the world and we're going to have a better world to explore. So uh, I'm encouraged by all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff that I'm seeing out there. I want to see more. Uh, and so... Every time someone announces a new podcast, you know, it's, it's something, it's something more that I have to listen to on my, uh, commute into work. Uh, and I welcome it. You know, I, I think that that last point is, is really important that we need more voices, especially from different people. And like, I'm really excited to have this exact same conversation with Kat, our countess, because she is, uh, a DM herself. And she, you know, like she runs her own podcast game and it's really awesome. And I think that, you know, like in a perfect world, we would have had her on for this episode too, but you know, brand new kid, you know? Yeah. Are you trying to say that in a perfect world, she wouldn't have just given birth? No. That's an awful thing to say. What I'm saying is in a perfect <laughs> world, <laughs> it's like, how do I, how do I talk myself out of this corner? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, I really like the way that she looks at the game because it's completely different from her perspective. And uh, it I don't know. I, I love talking D&D &D with her. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm super stoked to 
to talk about all of this stuff with her in a future short rest. Yeah, I would be really interested to listen to that episode as well. Everywhere that you can listen to podcasts. <laughs> That's right. We're on Spotify now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Like I said, I, I just recently this year. Wow. Oh, wow. It is January of 2019. Last January when Critical Role Season 2 and The Mighty Nine started, that was the first time that I watched Critical Role. But I have been watching Acquisitions Incorporated, the C-Team, their streaming game since it started uh, with Jerry as the DM. Like, I really enjoy that because it's it's just one more way that the game can be played, right? It's one more direction that the game can go is that style. And so, like, for me, my I love running games that feel like Saturday morning cartoons. I really like that was one of the things that I really loved about my all bards game was they really were this traveling group of bards that were in a band and you know, like we modified the rules a little bit to, so that their, their instruments dealt damage. Oh, I like that in, in such a, yeah. you know, like it, we had some battles of the bands and things like that. Like I, I, okay, here's my turn for an anecdote. I had adapted a fourth edition uh, story arc from Dungeon Magazine back when fourth edition first came out, The Scales of War. And the first episode of Scales of War, your party goes to this dungeon to try to find some kidnapped townsfolk. And so I tweaked it, converted it to fifth edition, you know, like did all the work. And uh, my plucky little group, this band has been recruited by the town to go rescue these townsfolk because they did such a good job of fighting the hobgoblins in town. They go and I'm expecting them to be stealthy and to sneak into the dungeon and kind of, you know, like do barred things. And uh, they did a, a very, very barred thing. They walked up to the front door of this dungeon. They knocked on the door and then they were like, hey, um, so we've been hired by your boss to give you some entertainment uh, <laughs> as a show that you have done a good job. Um, so we would love to come in and set up and perform for you. Uh, just let us know where to go. And I had them roll a series of deception checks and they all, because they're, they're playing high charisma bards and they all pass their deception checks. They come in, they gather all of the guards in the dungeon, all of them, all of them into this one room. They set up, they start playing all of the, the guards are there. And then on a count of three, all four of the band members cast thunder wave <laughs> and they melted all of the guards in one fell swoop, like all of them. And now granted it's a dungeon. So there are still monsters. There are still traps. There are still things for them to do. But for the most part, they had the run of this entire dungeon for the rest of the the session because they had the ingenuity to Saturday morning cartoon it. And they set up and they Josie and the Pussycats played a concert for these guards and then just <laughs> turned them into paste against the back of the concrete wall. And uh, 
It was it was fantastic. I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I couldn't stop. I still, that was years ago. I still can't stop talking about it. I love, like, that's one of my favorite moments in a D&D campaign that I've ever experienced. And it was me listening to them do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, like I said, that's the best part of being a DM. Yep. For sure. Now, uh, let's see here. How do we want to wrap this up? What... Do you hope that our audience takes away from our style of play and your DMing? You know, ideally, in an ideal world, uh, I have shown one player or one DM a new layer of Dungeons and Dragons, the way Chris Bergen showed me one. I, I wanted to bring kind of a storytelling style into Dungeons and Dragons that uh, that maybe some people haven't seen yet uh and the idea that you can do something like a murder mystery uh and tell it through this medium to add a little bit of flavor and add a deeper layer that your players might not expect so that's that's my if if one person said that if one person told me that I changed the way that they played the game uh, that would be dream come true. Other than that, uh, you know, just 45 minutes to an hour of enjoyment every other week uh, as, you know, we find out who killed Gruck and Axehaft. Uh, you know, I, I I mentioned in in my short rest, the, the first interview that we did, that I fancy myself something of a storyteller. And if people are enjoying this story, then that's all I can ask for. And I, I would be more than satisfied with that. I dig it. Well, I also hope that I produce the show. So I listen to it a lot and I really like it. I really enjoy the way we're going and I really like what we've been doing. So I, I hope that we can keep it up and keep everybody entertained. And uh, speaking of keeping everybody entertained, uh, I would like to say thank you for listening to this um seemingly extra long short rest. Yeah. This one might, this one might stretch out a bit. <laughs> it's like an actual short rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to roll your hit die and get those hit points back. That's right. Bram, bram, bram. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Fletch, thanks for talking about uh, DMs with me. My pleasure. Anytime. And uh, let's do this again soon. And uh, thank you for listening to Short Rest. And don't forget, you can find us everywhere that you find podcasts. You're listening to us, so you found us somewhere. Tell your friends, uh, if you leave us ratings on the different places, that extends our reach and makes it so that more people can find us. So we really appreciate it when you do that. So yeah, until next time. Stay tuned for more mystery. Bye, everyone. Bye.